0: Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, Without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Culinary School Stories Podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And if you have not yet followed the show, please do so. It's free. We would love to have you as part of our community. You can subscribe or follow the show through your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or you can do it through our website at www.CulinarySchoolStories.com, which is also where we share and store all of the podcast's past episodes and our guest's bios and contact information. So be sure to check out the website and sign up for our free monthly newsletter. So now, without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's guest, who is a native of Richmond, Michigan, where she graduated from the Culinary Institute of Michigan, specializing in baking and pastry. Now a resident of Florida, where she is the executive pastry chef at the Bonita Bay Club. And during her free time, she loves to check out new restaurants, make craft cocktails, and go skydiving. These are just a few of the topics we're going to be getting to today. So with that said, it is my pleasure to introduce Chef Amelia Tomasicki. Amelia, welcome, and thanks for joining us today.
1: Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Chef Colin. It's such an honor to be able to be on your podcast, on your show today. Um, I'm so excited to be able to show you, tell you a little about my life, my culinary journey, and how I got to be an executive pastry chef at 24 years old.
0: Wow. Awesome. It's a great things that you're going to be able to share. But let's start right at the beginning first, like all good stories. Where did your love of food come from? Where did you get that passion? Was it an early age? Was it later on in life? Tell us about that.
1: Oh, I was definitely young. I've been in this industry for almost 10 years now. So I started out very, very young. Um, I was probably 13 years old, maybe in junior high um, one of my girlfriends in school said that she was going to be taking a cake decorating class at Michaels. At first, it was Joanne Fabrics, and I was like, "Mom, I kind of want to try this out. Like, it sounds like fun." It was just going to be another one of those, like, you know, after school activities. And my mom, grew up with uh, five siblings, and I was like, probably thinking, "Oh my gosh, another activity for this girl." Fine, we'll do it. Um, so she reluctantly bought me that very first starter kit uh, for Wilton cake decorating courses. Went to that first class, and I'm like, I already, I love this. I just learned how to make um, uh, buttercream, roses, pipe things, like just very, very simple um, basics, absolute basics. But I absolutely loved it. And in that first course, there are four four classes once a week. I think it was Mondays. So um, week after week, four weeks, I completed those courses, and I realized, yeah, I actually really love doing this. And I convinced my mom to let me – Go on to the second course. There are four courses total. So, one, two, three, four. And the second one was, um, oh, I think that was advanced flowers and buttercream techniques. Mm-hmm. So, you know, included that course. And then my mom said, if you want to go on to the third course, you have to uh, pay for it yourself. <laughs> so, I mustered up the money to pay. I think, I think it was like $80 for that third course, third and fourth course. I managed to complete myself. So, um, I finished all four courses and I realized I love doing this. I started doing some small cakes from home, but again, I had no idea really how to bake. They didn't teach you how to bake in this class. They only taught you how to decorate.
0: So it was just a decorate, decorating part.
1: Right. So it was just decorating with buttercream, a little fondant gum paste. And that's all I knew how to do. I would bake from boxes, cake mixes. And I did a, a graduation party of like a hundred cupcakes all baked from a box and then decorated that. And I think that was kind of like one of the initial launches for me um, at a young age. And I got my first job at 15 years old at a cake, a uh, little cakery in my hometown, tiny, tiny little place. Like we only got maybe a couple of customers per day, but I loved it.
0: So this was like, Eighth grade? So then did you go into high school with this passion? And did you take classes in high school? I know there's a lot of high school programs that have culinary and baking and pastry.
1: Unfortunately, no. My little private school that I went to did not have any sort of tech classes or home economics or anything like that, really. So um, I was very, I felt fortunate to be able to have this opportunity to work while going to um, high school. I, I drove my parents' little minivan that Got me to it from, um, but I was able to work during high school, and I worked hard during high school. I would work two, three do- two to three jobs. Um, I'm going during my lunch hour during school to work at this bakery because I ended up being the head cake decorator after like a month or a month or two of working there because the head cake decorator quit. So I ended up being like a manager and head cake decorator at 15, 16 years old. Wow! And I also realized as I was working there that I this is what I want to do for a living if this is what I want to go to college for and I was the only girl in my class to know what she wanted to do the only person in my grade to actually know what she wanted to go to college for so by the time I was in like 10th grade I knew what college I wanted to go to it was like 35-40 minutes from my parents house at the time the Connor institute of Michigan so senior uh, um, junior year of high school i was applied i was ready i was just you know making sure my grades were up wow um applied for all the scholarships
0: so what uh, did you did you go visit the school did you visit other schools uh, how did you pick that one is because of the convenience be of being close or did they have a recruiters come out
1: well it was close so that one was obviously on my radar but i also looked into the culinary institute of america i looked into um, there was a, a community college, Macomb Community College. I had a great baking program. There were, um, there was like another couple colleges, but they were over an hour away from my parents' house. And during the winter in Michigan, you know, you do not want to be driving more than 40 minutes uh, without weather conditions. Um, so my parents were more worried about that. So I ended up choosing the culinary instead of Michigan. I was very, very happy to be there. The instructions were all awesome. The programs were great and I loved being able to like be close to my parents, be close to family.
0: Did you know anyone that was already going there that you spoke to about it, or anyone that recommended it or did you go visit it did you take a tour?
1: I took a couple tours. Um, they had a couple open houses and since I already knew that I wanted to go there I was making sure that I was signing up for all of them just you know making sure I kind of you know dug my feet into the ground like got to see what it really was really about. And at my one of the open houses, it was like the last open house or it was orientation, orientation before um, our first big day. I ran into one of my girlfriends, Aria Shranzak, now Aria Birch. Um, she was going to be in the culinary program. And I found out that I actually worked with her dad at Jet's Pizza. Um, and we like we always used to call him grandpa because funny stories, you know, won't go into that. But her and I connected instantly. We became, you know, really good friends off the bat. And I was just in her wedding recently.
0: Wow. Now at culinary school, was there residency there? No, you commuted.
1: There was residency there, but you had to live like over a certain mileage away.
0: To qualify.
1: Didn't qualify. I I thought it would be fun. And I did hang out with a lot of people from the dorms often, but I didn't reside there. I wish, but it it just wasn't logical.
0: Sure. So- Tell me about that first day then, because you're excited. You've been planning it since you were a junior in high school, but there has to be some nervousness there, just like anything, anticipation. So when you arrived on campus that first day, why don't you take the audience through that? You know, what happened? Uh, You got equipment, you got uniforms. Did you have your first class? Tell us about that.
1: Oh, my gosh. I remember it pretty well. And I just uh, had a Facebook memory pop up. (sighs) Pretty embarrassing because – we had to wear uh, we had to wear the topes and we had to wear uh, neckerchiefs mm-hmm. and no one is expected to know how to wear these things before you go in. <laughs> a lot of us tried to. And um, I had taken a picture of my mom to take a picture of me before I went off to college first day, and I had my toque on sideways. I had like my neckerchief wrap in such a strange way. And it was so cringeworthy that like looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Why didn't I just wait till I got to college? So, you know, you totally made a fool of yourself the very first day. Um just trying to make yourself look the wrong
0: way to wear the uniform. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh.
0: Now did you have to put the neckerchief into a knot or was it that they have a slide for it or how did that work? There was
1: a slide and um they showed you how to fold it, but like it was a very certain way to fold it. You had to so it was like big, big square is folded in half. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like a triangle and you have to just like slowly fold it and then fold them ends and keep folding it, folding, folding it. And then perfectly wrap it around your neck and then slide that thing up the two ends. Um, Oh, it was a struggle for most people. Even in our second years, there we were still struggling. <laughs> Some of us were. Yeah,
0: because um, if it's too loose, the slide's going to come right off, too, right? Land in the soup, and or... it would
1: just look sloppy. <laughs> like you, you wanted it to look decent, and it was a it was a real skill to make that look perfect, especially if you were getting pictures taken or you were doing a competition. Some people still would ask for help <laughs> to have their neckerchiefs done.
0: So, did then they give you a knife kit at the t- tools, pastry stuff at the at the beginning there?
1: You have to purchase all of your own tools. Okay. Uh, there was a big, big orange, orangeish reddish pastry toolkit that um, all the ba- uh, baking people had to buy, and that thing was a good like six, seven hundred dollars. And you know, some people coming from like lower-income families that couldn't afford that right after that. So it, um, not everyone had theirs. Or you, uh, you cannot show up to the culinary school without your uniform, your full uniform, meaning your neckerchief, your hat. You had to wear your checkered pants, your your chef coat, your neckerchief, non-slip shoes, mm-hmm. black socks. Like they were very, very strict about it, and um, couldn't have colored hair. You couldn't have your nails done or anything, like they were very, very, very strict about it, which is a good thing because you know you can't you can't just show up to any workplace. They're you know trying to prepare you for um the real world. So um
0: I know many of the schools do a lineup too before class and if you're not in the proper uniform they dismiss you until you can go get yourself ready. Is that the case with you?
1: For sure. Oh yeah. If you did not have your full uniform you had to ask like one of your fellow classmates or you had to go um Go home and get your uniform. And if you weren't there 10 minutes before class, you were marked, you know, you know, you you lost points for the day just for being 10 minutes. Uh, you weren't there 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm. So if class started at 7 a.m. You better be there at 640. Get your locker, put your stuff in your locker and be in the classroom set up and waiting by 650. Otherwise, you're late.
0: That's good. So what was your first class and what was your classmates like? Were they all right out of high school? Was there career changers, you know, older students, military returnees? Tell us a little bit about the demographics and male, female and what that first class was.
1: I definitely remember my first class was probably 75% coming right from high school. Um, There were a couple ladies and gentlemen who... um, were mothers, but they wanted to get back into the industry. They just wanted to learn how to bake and maybe make some sort of job out of it. Okay. Um, or there were um, military men who, you know, were looking to start a new life again. Uh, I remember one or two military men, but yeah, the majority were high school. Okay. And they said that by the time we graduate only maybe like 25% of your class would be left. And it was true. Like, It's not an easy industry to be working in, especially if you are um, expected to stand eight hours in a classroom, in a kitchen. Like that's just the very basics. So people kind of weeded themselves out left and right, um, just naturally, like organically. If you didn't like to be standing in a kitchen, if you didn't like to be doing this, if you didn't like if you were interested in doing culinary math, um, then you know you kind of you figured it out yourself. But my our first class before you could even enter the kitchen. Um, like our first semester consisted of food safety. Um, what else food safety for sure. Cause you have to take your surf safe before you get up to the kitchen.
0: Right. Probably some fundamental type class, right? Like how to use the tools or how to, you know, work in a commercial.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So your, your surf safe, like just in like, not in the, the kitchen, you had to be in a separate classroom with like, you know, desks and everything. Um, and then you would take know, whatever your general education classes, like your math, your speech class, your computer classes, whatever other classes you have to take to get your degree. But I remember taking that Serve safe test. And if you don't pass it, you can't carry on. Well, unfortunately, I did not pass the first time. Uh, you had to get like a 70, 75 or 76 percent. And I got a 75 percent. I missed it by 1% and I was just, I was so heartbroken. I was like, man, thinking right here, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this uh, the industry I'm supposed to be in? If it's going to be this difficult, like why continue? Like if I can't even pass this first class, maybe was a sign. Um, but I'm not a quitter. I'm pretty stubborn <laughs> and I'm grateful for it sometimes. And I took the test again uh, a couple weeks later and I passed it, thankfully.
0: Did a lot of, did a lot of students struggle with that test or was most people passed it or how did, how was that? I think
1: probably about 20% failed 20, 25%. Okay. So it was a significant test. Like you either knew the answer, you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when it comes to food safety uh, in the classroom, like you, you, there's no oopsies. Like if you undercook something or if you drop something or uh, contaminate, cross contaminate, could kill someone there's no oh oops I forgot that small detail because that's going to end someone's life
0: possibly and that's a certification test so it's not even by the school right it's kind of sent out into a national organization
1: mm-hmm. exactly yep
0: good so what was the first lab when you finally got through these other fundamental type classes that you got to really study some of the the major that you were there for
1: the first class I had in the kitchen was baking 101 and it was making, um, quick breads. We did cookies, um, cookies, rolls, muffins. We did some vegan recipes. Um, trying to think, we worked with pastry, uh, puff pastry, croissant lamination, which was a lot of fun. Um, I remember we made this huge croquembouche. We learned how to make patachou. Uh, so cream puffs, eclairs, and we made this gigantic, like good three four feet tall probouche um so everyone in their class took all the cream puffs they had made throughout that class we all filled them and then stuck them on this <laughs> huge cone and it was it was rewarding I, don't, I can't remember if we finished it because I don't even think we have we had enough cream puffs wow
0: finish it right thinking
1: back to that wow that's a lot of memory I had thought <laughs> <in> a while <laughs>
0: Now you had experience from the classes and from working in the industry before you went to school. Did you find that was the norm? And and is that needed? If someone was listening and they didn't have experience, is that a is that a you know a deal breaker? or no.
1: Oh well, um, I had no baking experience. Going back to like you know when I was taking those Wilton cake decorating courses, I had mentioned I they didn't teach how to bake and. My mom didn't do a lot of scratch baking. Like she didn't do really much baking at all, except for like a couple cooking things here and there, but she always made cakes and things from a cake mix also from the box at Crocker. So starting baking and pastry school, I had no baking experience whatsoever. I could, I could decorate you a cake. I can make you fondant flowers. I can make buttercream for you. Um, but when it comes to baking, I had no idea. And a lot of the other people in the class, had either played around with baking or they had gone to tech school or um, whatever kind of other classes. But I was, I definitely felt like the oddball in that kitchen because I had no idea how to bake. So I clung to my, um, my buddy in class and she, her and I would, you know, work together and I would measure things out left and right. But I leaned on her too much during the first semester or two, or no, the second semester or two in the kitchen. And when it came time for the exams, I kind of freaked out because I was so scared to bake. Um, I was scared to burn things. I was, I was just, I was so unsure of what to do, um, could barely follow a recipe. Uh, when, you know, my buddy had also been to tech school, like everyone else had been to tech school. So they would kind of have the feel of a kitchen. I had no idea what it was like to work in a kitchen like that. So I, I struggled. I did struggle for a little bit and I, yeah, I passed those first two exams, but it took a long time for me to actually work on new recipes outside of class.
0: And that was just your own insecurities because everyone else had that experience. So you just kind of did the measuring and took a back seat or what, what was, do you think the cause of that?
1: Uh, I don't really know. I mean, unless I feel confident doing something, I do usually take a back seat. And during classes, I was kind of just having fun and I did whatever my teammate wanted to do and bit me me in the butt in the long run, um, not coming up with my own decisions, not like giving enough advice or uh, suggestions, um, not failing enough. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what culinary school is about. You wanna you wanna learn, but you also wanna fail early on so that you can grow in the in the future.
0: Sure, that's the place to make those mistakes. That's that's right, you're learning, right? Not out in the industry when someone's paying you. So, and
1: I was I was too scared to burn because I I guess I have a lot of pride too. Um, so I was scared to like try new things that would fail because mm-hmm. we were all in one big classroom and, and everyone would see if you messed something up or if you burnt something or if you boiled over cream or. Whatever. So I think it might have been like a small pride type thing too.
0: So what what would you say to someone that's listening to do that? Like, hey, get in there and, and get your hands dirty right away and take charge and, and it's it's a short amount of time and you're gonna be out in the industry, so you're paying a lot of money. Get in there or what, what would you tell them so they don't go that path like you did?
1: Uh, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Um, think of all like the the chefs that you look up to think about how many times they have failed to get where they're at. Like No one is perfect and you only learn from failing and learning how what not to do. Um, so don't be afraid to take on a bigger project or taking on new responsibilities or all of it. Don't be afraid to burn.
0: <laughs> yeah. Where did you see that transition, though, from that, you know, first couple classes where you were kind of taking a back seat and then at some point you must have, you know, flourished and blossomed and said, no, I'm going to, I'm really going to grasp this now and take charge.
1: Well, it was when we started doing cakes. Uh, we started learning how to decorate cakes. We uh, learned how to bake cakes. So that was kind of a zone that I was more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, once we learned baking 101, we you know, learned how to do cakes and then learn how to make different butter creams and we learned how to stack cakes and make wedding cakes and all that. And I kind of felt like I was back more in my comfort zone. So I had a little more confidence to show my true colors. And all of a sudden people could see like, oh, she knows how to decorate a cake. Oh, she knows how to write with buttercream. Oh, she has like almost perfect piping skills. Who is she? How, how do we know her? <laughs> um,
0: so now the roles were kind of changing, right? Yes. You know, now they were like, whoa, yeah, you, you were the leader
1: so that's kind of where i got my confidence again and then from those classes we went on to chocolate sculptures and sugar work and bonbons and truffles all the confections and things and i loved doing chocolate sculptures because it wasn't necessarily baking it was just more figuring out temperatures and crystallization process of chocolate and being really creative like everyone just had to really show how creative they were Mm -hmm. so um it wasn't all like technical, technicalities really. It was just more having fun playing with sugar.
0: <laughs> Did you have any instructors there that, you know, you were like a mentor that you stood out from the others or any of them you want to give a shout out to that really, you know, helped you in your early part in your career?
1: Oh, Chef Carly, uh, Chef Scott Twitchell, Chef Paula Resanella, Chef Tom Ressimella. um, Those were all my baking teachers and then the deans of the school. Uh, and they really helped me to channel my my passion into a career. And I still go back to my culinary school. Whenever I go back, I say hello to them.
0: Oh, yeah, you go back and you visit, you check in. and
1: I try to. like what, At least once a year, I'll go ch- uh, go to their student restaurant, and I'll say hello. I'll bring with my family or friend. I'll grab some of my other classmates that I still hang out with, Aria, because she's up there still. And, yeah, I still go back once in a while and say hello to them
0: they ever have you talk to the classes, the current students? Give them a little. Oh gosh, laptop. no! <laughs> they don't want you I don't want
1: to? Me to. Oh gosh! It's like really, a stay outside. but don't. You can look at them, but don't talk to
0: them. <laughs> don't listen to her.
1: Yeah, no, no. I'm sure she'll come up with some sort of crap to say. Oh gosh.
0: So looking back now, obviously with experience and in your position and stuff. What do you wish you had known before you got to culinary school or during culinary school that would have, you know, would you have changed something along the way?
1: What I wish I would have known when starting culinary school was pretty much what I've already stated is it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up um, and lower your ego, Amelia. Like, I really wish I could, like, take my younger self by the shoulders and be like, get over yourself, lower your ego, and mess up, like, please try that new recipe that everyone was talking about. They were all too busy to try or please try making a cheesecake and like, you know, mastering cheesecakes or brûlée or anything that was a kind of custards. I was scared about custards, especially baked custards. Uh, Cause we didn't work on that, mm-hmm. but I would definitely, you know um, I wish I would have known just to not be so scared, not be so timid.
0: You think that's all ego or you think some of it could be, is there grades that influence that? Like if, Fled to fail, like you don't want to get Fs and you don't want to get kept back or trying to get those As. Is there pressure from the you know academic side?
1: Um, I mean, I never was an A plus student, so I feel like maybe I I wasn't really a type to go out partying a lot either. So I wasn't like you know just being tired. It might have been working working while being in college, like they say you should either go to college or work or you know, you shouldn't do both because you won't be able to really focus on one or the other. And um, maybe it was working a lot and driving back and forth a lot or.
0: And a lot of schools do have support departments, you know, tutoring and help and things like that. Is that something the school offered? Is that something you took advantage of? Or was it a resource that students used?
1: Let's see. Um, There were tutors, uh, but not really for the kitchen. It was like a one done type thing. If you fail that class, you have to retake it. But for the, um, the college was part of like a community college, like a local community college. And, um, a lot of our general education classes were at the main campus. So you could go there, uh, after school, um, and go get help from the financial aid people or whatever tutors, or you can go to the library and ask anyone for help. So that was very, very helpful. Uh, some of us baking students would get together and go over, like technical baking um definitions cuz we would have like some some like written exams too for baking mm-hmm. so we would we would definitely study together and it helped just having that like initial group that I graduated with just thinking back there were probably like 10 of us that would hang out and make sure we got to the end point all together once we knew we were in it for the for the long run
0: right you said a lot didn't make it and that was like a statistic that they had. Why did they not make it? Is it just because the time constraints, the the level of academics and the rigor? Was it money? What was it that caused do you think a lot of them not to finish?
1: Well, a lot of people say they want to bake, they want to cook, because it seems like it could be fun. But if you're making a career argument, this is this isn't always a fun type industry. Like once they get once you had to pass a couple of tests before you even enter the kitchen. So a couple of people in their first semester were like, I don't really want to do this. Like if it's going to be all this technical stuff, like I don't really want to go there. Right. Um, and then once they saw like.
0: Usually the, usually the first time they clean a lab too, that'll spark something. Oh yeah. The dishes and the floors. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: And knife skills, like our first classes, like in savory, in the savory kitchens, um, they had to do knife skills and a lot of people cut themselves. I mean, it's expected. Like when you don't know how to handle a knife up um, high, I had to segment an orange for the first time. Like I had barely even used a knife. Honestly, I think I had picked up a knife maybe a couple times, like an actual chef's knife. I had maybe picked up a chef's knife five times in my entire life, time before I even went to college. So yeah, a lot of us cut themselves it, it, and that might've been discouraging to them. Um, Or they just had financial reasons or they just had other life predicaments or they took off a summer in college and realized, yeah, actually, this is not what I want to do. Natural, I feel like it was more organic reasons because I I enjoyed the program.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take a quick pause right now and ask you, the listener of this episode, to sign up for our newsletter and mailing list. I left a link in the description or, it may be even easier, just to go to www.chefroach.com contact. That's chefroach, all one word, dot com slash contact. Then just go to the bottom of the page and sign up for our newsletter. It's free. Then once you're signed up, you'll never miss out on our latest news, announcements, episodes, contests, course information, or exclusive deals. So go ahead, sign up so you can get all of the information and more through the periodic email updates. And don't worry, you can always unsubscribe if you don't like it. The link again is www.chefroach.com contact. So go ahead, do it now. We want you to be part of our community. And if you don't do it now, you'll probably just forget by the time this episode is over. So just hit the pause button right now and take the 15 to 20 seconds to get it done and then come back and hit play. We'll wait for you, I promise. Okay, hopefully you just did it or you've already done it in the past or at the very least, you'll be doing it very soon. Your support of the show and the network is very important to us and we thank you in advance. Alrighty, so now back to the show. Yeah, well... Now you're an executive pastry chef, you know, at Bonita Bay. Tell us how you got there, because it was a pretty short journey from graduating culinary school to where you are now. Maybe you can give us the short version of how that path took you and, and you ended up in the job you're in now in Florida.
1: Ooh, okay. Quick, quick story or quick version. So, I had to take an internship in culinary school. Um, I finished that internship, and while I was at that uh, workplace, they had mentioned that, hey, there's a um, a country club down in Florida that is hiring for a pastry chef or pastry cook or sorry, pastry intern type deal. But you'd be, you know, you wouldn't be a student anymore. You'd be just, you know, working as a pastry cook. And I was like, okay, um, what are the details? So they gave me the details, you know, uh, it was like free housing for the first six months for the first season. Um, And I didn't have any like, Anything holding me back. So I'm like, okay, sure. I told my parents, uh, mom, dad, I'm moving to Florida for six months. They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I think this is like a bigger decision that I made and you <laughs> can't really stop me. So I'm going.
0: <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Well, it's a good place they could visit, right? During the winters up there in Michigan.
1: Oh, exactly. And they absolutely loved visiting me. So um it turned out, you know, it worked out in the end, but Um, So I start, I moved down here. The day that I moved down here, the executive chef had met me, invited me over to the club for dinner with my mom and I over to the club for dinner. And um, he's like, so just letting you know right now, um, our other pastry chef or our other pastry cook that was working here quit a couple days ago. (laughs) So now you're the pastry chef. I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) you told me this after I moved down. So a little bit, a little bit salty right off the bat, but I was really able to see what I could do, what talent I had. Um, I was able to, you know, try new recipes, uh, burn, which I did. Um, You can definitely smell it coming from my big shop. But I had an entire bake shop all to myself when I was 21 or 21 at the time. Wow. 20. I think I was 20 20 years old at the time. No it was 21, sorry. Um, but the club was a 900 member club and I surprised myself. I surprised everyone around me. I surprised myself. I had no idea what I was capable of. I was doing cakes every week. I was doing these beautiful buffet desserts. I was doing. Um, chocolates, bonbons, like and plated desserts. My plated desserts sucked at the time. I'm sorry, like raw truth. They sucked. (laughs) It took a long time for me to perfect, um, not even perfect, just get better at plated desserts, but my buffet desserts were on point. And um, that's kind of what I realized what I was good at. Um, so I finished up my six months there. And moved back up to Michigan for a couple months, worked at another country club. And then I realized I wanted to kind of hone in and work on more uh, details in pastry. So I'm like, okay, where can I go to uh, work on refining my skills? I went to the uh, Ritz-Carlton, Dallas. So they are more detail-oriented. I was there for a year and a half um had an accident with my ankle I moved back up to Michigan and I ended up at the Ritz-Carlton Naples where that's a huge huge um workplace and they're even more detail oriented than the Ritz-Carlton Dallas I ended up doing all their wedding cakes at the Ritz-Carlton Naples so like 90-95 percent of the wedding cakes there um so I was able to refine my wedding cake skills I was able to refine my plated dessert skills my buffet desserts um, I even gambled around in more chocolate sculptures which i was not that I had not really done since uh, culinary school um I was able to I was there a pastry supervisor there so I learned how to manage my time better also delegate a little bit more mm-hmm. so by the time I was yeah 22 23 I was a pastry supervisor and it's just of a sudden I was end up as executive pastry chef at this country club and wow you, I didn't never said no uh whenever these opportunities were intro- like introduced to me showcased to me i never said no because i told myself i don't know what i'm capable of after working at that first country club down here i realized i don't, I don't actually know what i'm capable of so stop saying no um until you know what you're capable of so i said yes to every opportunity and i kind of just let the let the ball run let the ball roll and i just follow it wherever it takes me
0: but I mean, you didn't really have a choice that first job, right? Because there was nobody else. You had to do it, or <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, I could have just um, said no, got back in my car, and drove back up north to Michigan because I was scared. I had never really lived any other state, and moving across the country uh, that was a big thing for me. So I was I was terrified. Um, but I kept telling myself, you know, what if things don't go right? You pack up your car, you move. Mm. So. For anyone who's scared to like get out or travel or move anywhere in your industry, if something goes wrong, what's stopping you from leaving? Everyone's replaceable.
0: And many times you need to leave to grow, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, Which is that I left after six months. They invited me back for another season, but I declined and I realized I still don't want to be the pastry chef because I was going to be the pastry chef and I could have hired a pastry intern, another pastry cook, and actually developed that pastry department, but I said no, I was not ready to have those responsibilities at 21 years old. Thankfully I did. I was very smart. I would oh, I would not have wanted to guide another another student around my same age. I didn't feel ready. Yeah. Um so I kept learning, working under really, really talented chefs, pastry chefs, and um, here I am now. I still Say yes.
0: (laughs) Now, those skills that you need, like for an executive pastry chef, are those things you could learn or did you learn in school, like human resources, costing, or is that something more you learn on the job and from mentors and from supervisors?
1: Oh, that's definitely something you learn on the job. Um, What I learned in baking and pastry school, like pretty much coming from my internship and then going to that country club, I said no because I didn't feel like I was ready and I was not ready. Like I maybe could have done it with a lot of help, but what you learn in culinary school is just the basics of what you need to know.
0: And then you go out there and you perfect it when you're out in the job and you get someone to kind of guide you through it in their systems.
1: It's just experience. Like You have to go from place to place and um, ask questions, make mistakes, and learn along the way.
0: Awesome. Now, let's jump to skydiving. See how I did that? Jump. ooh <laughs> you skydive I mean that's that some people might say that's crazy so when did you start doing that and what do you what does that bring to you and besides maybe your heart racing
1: <laughs> oh um adrenaline I, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie I love being spontaneous and doing crazy things especially when I'm stressed uh, I just need to like let out let out all my energy um, and I think I get it more from my dad because my dad just to skydive. A lot when he was younger and I have the energy and craziness that my dad has so I'm definitely sure I get it from him. Um,
0: How many times have you jumped? Did you start in Michigan or did you start in Florida?
1: I started in Michigan. I've only jumped a couple times like it's nothing nothing big that I I can uh, brag about but I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. (laughs) I mean saying that sounds absolutely insane. Not many people can say that but it's like, it's a good way to let out any sort of like negative energy or energy you need to let go of. Um, right. I did it once with a group and I was supposed to have a couple friends come with me, but they bailed. And then that one friend from the group bailed also. So I just went with a group of strangers. I had no idea what these people were. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go jump out of an airplane with complete strangers. Um, Mom, dad, family, I love <laughs> you guys. If you don't see me again. You know why? <laughs> Scoop up my remains off the ground. Um, I did. It was the best feeling. I'm like, I'm definitely gonna go again. Um, the next time I went was actually indoor skydiving, oh. and I had always wanted to try both just to see what they were like. And they're not the same. You feel you feel like you're floating-ish when you're indoor skydiving, but it's not. It's just it's just not the same. Yeah.
0: Like you don't have the same visual. You're not as high. Yeah. Right. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see the little specks of houses down there.
1: Yeah. No, you don't have that adrenaline of just stepping out of the plane. Yeah. Like you're not, there's not thousands of feet below you and you're just looking at the ground. You're just in a tunnel. So you don't get that same adrenaline, but it was still so much fun.
0: Yeah. So now that you're the executive pastry chef, you're at a point in your career now, looking back who was an influence to you? Can you name one, two, three that influenced you either personally or professionally that, you know, and why, and and, and share with the listeners who those people might be?
1: Well, every chef that I worked for, um, was either in the ACF, the American Culinary Federation, or they were just some incredibly talented chefs. So I always looked up to my bosses or, uh, other pastry chefs around. And so many people, like I'm trying to think of like just a couple like names, but I'm thinking so many people, family, friends that pushed me, inspired me, but chefs that I would look up to would be like Susan Natter, um, Mario gashan I'm thinking so many people.
0: So you mentioned the American Culinary Federation, the ACF, why? Why is that important to a new chef? If someone's listening out there, why is that important to you? What do you get out of the organization? And you know, what has it brought to you personally, professionally, career-wise? The
1: ACF um, it creates personal goals for chefs who may not be um, challenged every day to like achieve certain goals. Like some uh, chefs want to have their own restaurant. some chefs want to have their own bakery. But if you don't have any of those like specific type of goals, um, the ACF creates a ladder for pastry. It's a certified pastry culinarian, certified working pastry chef, certified executive pastry chef, and then certified master chef. So right out of culinary school, I got my certified pastry culinarian and um, I kept seeing other people testing for these different certifications and I realized one day I want to be a certified master pastry chef. So it's it's slowly climbing that ladder. Um,
0: do you belong to a local chapter, and what do you what do you get out of that chapter? Do you guys do professional development?
1: Right now, I'm part of the Southwest Florida chapter, the Naples chapter, um, and they actually have a very large chapter. They have like a good 200 members, 200 plus members, I believe, yeah. um, and there are a lot of very talented chefs. And that's what I love about being part of the ACF is just when you meet up with these other chefs, you get to talk about how was your week? How many are you doing right now? Like what are your specials or going to the ACF national conventions? I love one of the conventions, being a part of the conventions because you gather with chefs from all over the country, even internationally, some people, some chefs come over for this big convention and you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of so such talented individuals and it's just mind-boggling to think how much we could do with the talent that we have in this one very large room right now so the acf kind of gives me that inspiration that motivation that passion that drive that a chef needs
0: yeah so it can as you mentioned help your career you know you get these certifications it can help you with employment do you need certification and let's look at culinary school too. Do you think someone needs a culinary degree to be successful or does it make it easier or is it more hard? You'd speak to those two.
1: That's a very good question. Um, a lot of people will ask me, they see that I'm, you know, very into the ACF and uh, very involved and they ask me like, well, what does it do for you? Like, why, why should I get this? Um, I'm working in a restaurant and I mean, you're, you're a line cook or you're just a banquet cook. And it's, they ask, why, why do I need that? Why, what's, what makes that special? What makes me need that? Um, I feel like it right now, it's more channeled for um, chefs in country clubs, some hotels, um, but some individual workplaces will create uh, motivations and goals. So some people may not feel uh, the need to join the ACF if they already have other things going on, if they already have um, yeah, personal life goals that they're, they're on their way to.
0: So looking back at culinary school, all the money, the time, that homework, those cutting yourself, was it worth it? Would you do it again? And if you would, would, would maybe would you change anything?
1: Oh, yeah. If I went back to culinary school... Um, I probably wouldn't burn myself as much. Oh my gosh. Let me compare burns some days. And I had like matching scars, all of my arms uh, on my, on my hands everywhere, just from like reaching in out of the oven to grab things. You learn pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, be careful. There's a hot rack above your arm. So don't move your arm. Um, or don't touch that hot plate. Um, but if I went back, I would, Oh, I mean, you're paying to be there. So you're paying, to try new things, I would, I would try every single recipe. I would try so many new things and you have all of the supplies right there. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, refine my, probably my chocolate sculpture skills. I might try sugar work again because I was not a fan of it. I guess I had princess hands back then, like very, very soft, sensitive hands. And after working 10 years in the industry, you kind of, you kind of build up calluses. So I might go back to sugar work to try that again. Hopefully my hands won't be burnt off. Um
0: But <laughs> well, was it worth it? Was it worth it for the money? Was the return on investment for oh, yeah. you and going to Oh food? yeah, I
1: definitely got most out of my culinary degree for the most part. I wish I, you know, I wish I would have uh, not been so scared at first. But if I hadn't started in culinary school, if I had just like started at a restaurant, I would not have made it. That's for
0: sure. Culinary school kind of set the foundation, the groundwork for you then.
1: Exactly, Baking 101. Like they, they give you a structure to go off of and then you learn from there.
0: Okay, so great. So now that you've been in culinary school, you've been in the industry for a while now. What's it like out there? And, and as a female, you know, as, as someone that's young and a female, what's it like in the industry? Can you speak to that?
1: Being a female in this industry is so, so far from easy. Like even to this day, I question my, my, um, my general knowledge, I, you know, I'm doubted often, but I remember one of my first kitchen jobs, um, kind of a sense of the topic. I want to talk about it because it is very, very important, mm-hmm. but one of my first jobs, I was at a country club, um, and very, very naive, didn't know a lot. I was not respected because I barely know how to bake. Um, I was still in culinary school at the time too. So I had like very, very little knowledge. Uh, So scared to burn, scared to try new things. And one day it was after service and um, I went up to um, the chef at the time and I was going to offer him um, one of the, like a piece of uh, filet of some sort. And because it's been a long day, we're all exhausted, we've all been there 12 hours. And I was just genuinely being nice, asking the chef if he would like, you know, piece of steak. And he took it out of my hand while everyone was watching in the kitchen, took it out of my hand, slapped it in my face. Wow. Slapped it directly in my face while everyone was watching. I, well, oh, I remember stopping and I was like, did that seriously just happen? Um, so I was supposed to carry on with desserts. We had just finished a plate up and we were, I was supposed to go plate my desserts. And I stopped and I told him, you're doing desserts tonight. I'm gone. So, uh, he's like, oh uh, no, like you're doing desserts tonight. You will not do that to me. So I threw him out of the kitchen and went up to the dorm that I was staying at the time and locked my door, said good night, done. Mm-hmm. The executive, that chef came back and was, you know, not banging on my door, apologizing, trying to get me to come back. I am like, oh, I am not going to be treated like that. I might be the only female in this kitchen, but, and I might be the youngest one in this kitchen. I was 19 at the time. Um, but I will not be treated like that.
0: What did he do it for? Was he trying to make a joke or was yeah. he mad or angry at something? And what was this? He was making a joke. Oh.
1: Who's trying to be funny? Who's trying to show off be a big shot in front of all other chefs in the kitchen? Hmm. So that was a big eye opener to being a female in the kitchen.
0: Have you had any other examples of harassment or anyone because of your age or because of your gender?
1: Oh yeah. Um kind of try to block out everything that happens just because it's, it happened and you can't go back to it. Um, but I've had uh, chefs make horrible, like uh, sexual harassment comments that you stop it. It's like, you just ask me that. Mm. And when you're working in smaller places, like whatever, like small restaurants where there's not human resources or anything like that, you kind of just try to brush it off and you say, Hey, don't do that. Or just let it go. Um, but these chefs seem to think that it's okay to do what they please. And they're, 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 you know, the, are the chefs in the kitchen. So it's, it's fine. Um, there are very few workplaces that I've been where I felt safe. I knew that like, as a female, as a woman in the kitchen, I would be protected. Um, there was another workplace where I had the chef approach me several times about things and I would tell him, no, like, please back off wouldn't take no for an answer, um, was like consistently harassing, but, um, like I wouldn't know, I knew how close he was to the, the general manager or, um, I knew that like, if I tried to fight this or if I try to bring it up, it was, it wouldn't be any, it wouldn't be to my benefit. Um, so I would let it slide. But, um, as the years went on, I kind of realized if, I stand up. Um, maybe it'll give other women the, the confidence to stand up. And, um, there was another time where I had been shamed for trying to take better care of my health. Um, and, um, I was told that I was nothing but a body in the kitchen. Like you can't tell a woman that you, you can't tell anyone that, but to tell a woman in the kitchen that you are just a body, um, I, I stopped and I went down to HR with that, even though I knew it would have its repercussions. Um, it did. Uh, I was not talked to for a while after that. Um, but it, it standing up, getting that confidence and building up that confidence to stand up for yourself gives others the confidence. Um, this, these are just a couple stories. Like I'm, now I'm starting to like really think back. I'm not going to go too much into detail, but there was a circumstance where, I was harassed, and I, um, you know, went to management about it, and I told them, "Hey, this person is doing this." Well, I found out that this person had harassed this person. This person had harassed this other female. This person had harassed this female, and all of a sudden, I had a bunch of ladies backing me up. I'm like, "Oh, wow!" It just took me one time standing up.
0: Right. So, so it's like a sexual harassment from the males to the females, and he's kept doing it over and over.
1: Males and females. Yep. But sadly. A lot of places are more um, more male dominant. Have more males in the kitchen, unless you're working less like, specifically pastry. But if you're working with mostly males, like you are already looked down upon just as being the only female. That could intimidate people to you know want to joke around or you know try to belittle you. But no.
0: Do you think it, because of gender you would get passed over for positions or promotions or pay or no? So it's all about equal. You do the work, you get the promotion, you get it. It's, it has nothing to do with male, female.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And oh, it is sad to think um, I have, like, you. people will talk whether you give them information or not. I've definitely realized that um, the past 10 years. People will talk whether you give them information or not. Um, if you are a dominating, confident, talented woman in the kitchen, people seem to think that you had to do, you have to do something to get promotion, to get recognized. And it's all too common for people to think that a female will sleep with her boss to get a promotion. Like, I feel like it's any kind of workplace, but especially in the culinary and working in a kitchen, it's, it's more common to, for people to think that you sleep with your boss to get to your position. And it's, that's another like huge, huge um, battle I've had to fight silently because you know, people talk whether you want to them to or not. And they
0: just they think that's how you got. They assume that's oh, they must have done that to get to where they're at, not based on skill or
1: so many workplaces. Yep. Just because I am I, I have talent and I am smart with my actions, then they think that I did something simple to get where I'm at. Sad. It is sad with this industry that women work in right now.
0: So if there was a young female listening now just starting to go into this industry and something happened to her like this whether it was you know sexual harassment or whatever what advice would you tell her what would you tell her to do
1: uh, don't be afraid to stand up I know your job might be on the line um, you, feel, you you may feel like your job is on the line but in most cases the 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 manager or your boss would be fired first hopefully and if they're not, and if you're fired first, that should give you a clear sign that I'm not meant. To, I'm not meant to work here. Even if it if it is a prestigious place, like um, some crazy restaurant, some like well-known restaurant in Chicago. Let's say it's wherever. Um, if if your boss isn't fired first, then that's not a healthy work environment for you to be in. So stand up for yourself. Because if you stand up for yourself, who knows? You might have a whole army behind you to back you up if not then move on you deserve to be in a safer healthier happier place
0: right and today it seems to be better and better the more people you talk to than it was years ago so you know now's the time to and to bet it wasn't before as well but right. say something talk to somebody about it so they can put a stop to it because as you mentioned it's, if it's doing it to you it's probably happening to others as well
1: oh for sure oh for sure
0: so what's next for you where are you going to go next? Where do you see yourself next year, five years, 10 years? What's your plans? What's your goals?
1: Man, oh gosh. I kind of almost stopped trying to plan my life because every time I try to plan my life, um, <laughs> it never works out. It always goes the complete opposite direction. Like when I was working in Dallas, the uh, health in Dallas, I kind of made there for a year and a half, two, three, four years, and I loved it there. I was so happy. Um, but I had like a simple, a well, crazy um, accident and I destroyed my ankle. So I had to take a break from the industry for three months, um, stay at home. And I ended up back here in Florida working at the Red School in Naples, which had been a life goal of mine. Um, but I've kind of stopped planning my life just because never had, never worked out. But um, let's see, I would maybe like to, uh, I want to travel more. Like I love what I do, but I think I need to travel more to see others other works like other chefs works um i want to go to you know europe i want to check out like a real authentic french um patisserie but like no crazy goals like i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the idea of opening my own bakery yet not in these days um i still don't feel ready to do that yet um i would like to be well, where I am now, the executive pastry chef of a club or a hotel, i, I made it here. So it's like life goals that I'm slowly achieving and I'm slowly uh, looking at new life goals. Yeah, I'm slowly making it. <laughs> <laughs> Just day by day, year by year.
0: What about uh, more schooling, more professional development? Anything on those lines?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, taking more continuing education, educational classes, like master classes. I look at um, a couple classes that like, let's say Valrona will post and uh, it's how to build intricate entremets or chocolate work, or like, let's perfect your plate of desserts or let's do master wedding cake classes or even some classes from Antonio Boucher. I was like, well, checking out croissants and laminated doughs, um, everything. So I, i like to say yes to as many continuing educational opportunities as possible. Because you're once you're a chef, you're always a student. Just because you have reached you know the highest uh, stage does not mean you stop learning and you start teaching because things are uh, trends, you know, come and go, and you have to be on top of those trends.
0: So true. So as we come to the end of our chat today, before we wrap up, is there any last minute advice or guidance you want to leave with the listeners, something you want to share?
1: Don't. Be afraid to fail. Like, I keep telling myself this every day. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to try new recipes. Don't be afraid to say yes to any opportunity that comes your way. Because, again, you don't know what you're capable of doing until you try it. You don't know how much you'd suck at chocolate sculptures. You don't know how much you could um, burn something until you try it. But you also don't know how great you could be. And you'll never know how great you can be unless you try it.
0: Awesome. Good advice. So if someone wanted to follow you, follow your journey, get in touch with you, reach out, maybe has some, want some advice or has some questions for you, how could they get in touch with you?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram handle is uh, pastry underscore panache. Um, I put a lot of my well, personal life goals, personal journey, and a lot of my um, my, my creations on there. But if you want, to also want to see me... Um, Compete. You can find me on Food Network's Chopped Sweets. I'm on season two, episode seven. um It's titled "Dangerous Decadence." So you can see me. You can watch me uh, bake with uh, deadly, deadly ingredients, including tarantulas. Uh, yes, I actually had to touch and work with tarantulas. So you can see my crazy facial reactions to all that. You don't get to see me throw off thankfully, but <laughs> that's another. Another platform you can watch me on and check it out.
0: Great. And what was the Instagram again? Because I'll put that in the show notes for anyone who's listening and wants to reach out.
1: Pastry underscore panache. Great. So pastry underscore that P-A-N-A-C-H-E. Awesome. Like ganache, yep.
0: but panache. Panache. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. I want to first thank you, Amelia, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate your time, your insight, and your honesty.
1: No, thank you so much. It's been such an honor, such a pleasure to be able to uh, tell a bit more about my life. And it's been humbling to recollect everything that I've gone through. Um, But I'm so happy to be able to tell you all this today.
0: Yeah, well, thanks again for that walk down memory lane. And I really enjoyed our chat. Bye-bye now. Thank you. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com, or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207 207- And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you, and that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.